Kia koutou, hello everyone. I hope you've been having a great week. Today we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through to 21, which is all about the ministry of reconciliation. And there are a few reasons why I chose this passage. First, I think it fits really well with our current Roman series that we've been working through. Two, it's something that I've been thinking a lot about over the last couple of months. And third, it's something that my late father was very passionate about. If you have your Bibles, please open them up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through to 21. Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We're going to pack this verse in a few moments, but first I want to start by leaning into the word reconcile. See, reconcile means restoring relationship. And by using the word reconcile, Paul conveys two things. First, from the beginning of creation, there was a relationship that existed between God and humanity. And secondly, something happened which kind of broke or, or damaged this relationship between God and humanity. Most of us will, will know the gospel story. However, if I was to ask you to articulate it to someone who had no background of the Christian faith in five minutes, do you think you could do it? Well, in the next five minutes, I'm going to try to do just that. And if you're new to Christianity, hopefully this will be a helpful overview. And if you've been around for a while, my question to you is what would you change? I encourage you to, to think about it for yourself so that when someone asks you what you believe, you will hopefully be able to articulate it in a, in a succinct, thought-provoking way. Here is my attempt to, at sharing the, the good news of Jesus, the gospel, in under five minutes. In the first two chapters of the Bible, it talks about how God created the world and everything in it. And a special part of his creation was making humanity. And he made humanity with two main purposes. The first was that so we could live in relationship with him and that we could experience his love. And the second is so that we could enjoy and rule over and take care of his creation so that we could take care and enjoy this world that we live in. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, it says that God created humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then a few verses later in verse 31, it says God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. See, right from the beginning of the Bible, we see that all of humanity exists in God's image. 
There's a part of all of us, whether we know God or not, that is like him. And that part of us is not just good, but it's very good. Now, a couple of uh, chapters later in Genesis 3, we see, uh, we see sin enter the world. And sin created a, a separation between God and his creation. It brought chaos and disorder. Things no longer existed in the way that God designed them to. There are famines and wars, natural disasters and diseases. People are capable of doing incredibly unjust and evil things. So something needed to be done to restore creation back to its rightful order under its creator. The rest of scripture is the story of God reconciling all of creation back to himself. The way that the world was supposed to be since the beginning of time. Now, an important clarification here. This includes humanity, but it's also much more than that. It includes the restoration of the whole ecosystem, plants and animals, weather and landscapes. God cares about all of it. Now, in the Old Testament, God makes covenants with individuals and the nation of Israel, where he fails to bless the world through them. And this starts with Abraham in Genesis 15, and it, continue, and it continues as his family grows into the nation of Israel. Now, Israel had periods of faithfulness, but they often turned away from God. But despite this back and forth relationship, God remained faithful to his promises. Of which God's ultimate promise was that a Messiah would be born and that through him, the world would be saved and reconciled back to himself. This is prophesied about throughout the Old Testament, but it was ultimately fulfilled through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. However, Jesus was more than just the Messiah. He was also God in the flesh. In the person of Jesus, God came down to earth. He became human. He lived a perfect life. And he fulfilled the covenant on behalf of humanity so that we may be saved from our sin and reconciled back to God. The king has come. And he, is establishing, uh, and he is establishing his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven on earth. However, although this great act of reconciliation has begun, it is both now and not yet. What I mean by this is that God has made it possible for all people and all things to be reconciled to him. But it's also still in the process. God is still reconciling people to himself, but the Bible speaks of the day where there will be a new heaven and a new earth, where there will be no more sin or suffering or death, where creation will be fully restored. And it won't just be very good, it will be perfect. Everything will be brought to completion. That's my five-minute gospel explanation. I encourage you to, to write your own out and, and to share it with someone. See what they think of it. Now back to today's passage that we're looking at. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul focuses in on those who have been reconciled to God. That is those of us who have a faith in Jesus, who understand the good news, the gospel, which I have just tried to articulate. And in verse 17, he reminds us that we are a new creation. No longer does God see us in all our sin. Rather, he sees us as clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. In verses 18 
to 19, Paul makes it very clear that the gift of salvation wasn't anything of our own doing, but it was simply by the grace of God. However, this gift comes with two responsibilities. The first is that we are to live like the old ways of our sinful nature are gone. No more selfishness, no more greed or pride or immorality, no more hatred or slander. That stuff has been put to death. It doesn't exist in our new life. Instead, we are being conformed into the image of Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit in us. That means we are to seek goodness and justice, love and mercy, self-control and humility. The question is, do we live like we have been given a new life? That's what a new creation or born again means. That's what baptism symbolizes. Are we growing into the clothes of righteousness that Jesus has given us? Yes, we are saved by grace through faith, but no one puts on a brand new suit or dress when they are covered in mud. We get cleaned up. We might have to shed some, some baggage or develop some muscle. This doesn't mean that we earn our salvation. It means that we live like we have received it. And most importantly, does our life increasingly reflect the life of Jesus, who is the perfect image of God? You know, this one's really important because if we don't know who Jesus is and what he is like, it's going to be pretty hard to become like him. Now, this might offend some people, but I think we, as in Christians, often have a misconception of what Jesus was like. Jesus wasn't a nice, polite, friendly person who kept to his own business and stayed away from the world. He hung out with people who society despised. He showed grace and mercy to the worst of sinners. He was confrontational when he saw acts of injustice. He told people the truth when they needed to hear it. Nothing about Jesus was comfortable. Is Jesus good? Certainly. Does Jesus love abundantly? 100%. But Jesus was far more radical than the average middle class Christian in New Zealand. He cared a lot more about the least than about what other people thought about him. And I think that's a challenge for a lot of us. How well do we, uh, how, how well do we do at getting alongside those on the margins? Addicts, prisoners, gang members, people in poverty. People who have been ostracized by society. You know, my father passed away one month ago uh, yesterday. And over the last few months, I have had a lot of time to reflect on his life and what he has taught me. And in many ways, he was far from perfect. But he loved Jesus and he, and he understood God's heart for people. He ran weekly community meals. He would regularly feed the, the homeless. He did prison ministry and he would house people from all walks of life. You name it, he had dealt with it. You know, one of my favorite stories was about this big, tough guy who had come out of prison. My dad gave him work and found him a place to live and was trying to help him find Jesus. And one day he was sitting in the lounge and my dad noticed that this guy's toenails were so long that, they couldn't, that he couldn't wear shoes without experiencing pain. Now you have to understand that my dad didn't have much of a filter. He kind of just 
say it how it was. So he asked this guy, what's up with your toenails? And the guy responded, I can't cut them. And my dad said, what, what, what do you mean you can't cut them? And he said, I can't reach. So my dad goes out and he gets the nail clippers and he helps this guy cut his toenails. And this big, strong, tough guy started to weep. And he said, no one has ever done anything like that for me before. You know, when my dad told me this story, he had tears streaming down his face and he said, Ethan, we have to show people the love of Jesus. It's as simple as that. We need to show people the love of Jesus. The second responsibility that Christ has tasked us with is that we are ambassadors for Christ who have a message of reconciliation. And I just want to pause for a moment in verse 20. It says that we are therefore Christ ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you to live on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Sit with that for a moment. What stands out to you? An ambassador is sent as a representation on behalf of someone or something. The idea being that through that person, others might see the best of what that person is representing. Whether it be a country, an organization, or a monarch. Paul is saying that our role as Christ's followers is to be so Jesus-like that people would see Jesus in us and be drawn toward himself. This is where I find the idea of reconciliation helpful. When I think about evangelism, I think about telling someone about Jesus or sharing my personal testimony. But when I think about reconciliation, it reminds me that all I am doing is pointing someone back to their creator, to the God whose image they are made in. Instead of being a salesman on a mission to get someone across the line, it reminds me that God is already at work. I still look for opportunities to share about Jesus, but now I start by trying to focus on what the Holy Spirit is already doing in them. That might be as simple as a dissatisfaction with life. It might be that they are going through something difficult and they're searching for answers. Or it might be that they actually want to know more about Jesus or the Christian faith. The key thing to remember is that God is already working long before we are. You know, as most of you will know, I'm finishing my role here at Windsor Park to start as the National Youth Catalyst for the Baptist Union. And I guess my heart is that we would become a movement of churches who are passionate about reconciling people back to God. That's what I want to see with this next generation of young people. It's what I want to see with all people. But it all starts with us. You know, when I was young, I had a youth leader who gave me five years of his life. And he committed to leading my small group. I also had a mentor that caught up with me every fortnight for three years. And I would have a, a ginger beer in one hand and lollies in the, in the other. And we would talk for, for hours. These two people, they, 
They loved me and supported me. They prayed for me. They helped me to understand scripture. But most importantly, they showed me who Jesus is. If I could make everyone here commit to just one thing, it would be to find just one person who you can journey with. One person that you can show Jesus to. And I wholeheartedly believe that if we all did that with just one person, our church would flourish. Because when we start intentionally journeying with other people, there's two things that happen. One, we see God working in their lives. And there's something incredibly exciting and life-giving about that. And secondly, God does something in us. So that's the challenge that I want to leave with you today. Who is the one person you are going to journey with? Who is the one person you are going to show Jesus to? We're going to watch a video in a moment which is about re-surrender. And I'd encourage you to sing it with us and, and reflect on that very question. But first let me pray. Jesus, I thank you for what you have done for us. That you have saved us and reconciled us back to God. Lord, and you have done that freely for us. It is a, a, an act of grace. But Lord, even though it is a free gift, it comes with a responsibility. A responsibility to help others be reconciled back to God as well. Lord, I pray that you would give us a heart to see that happen, to journey with people, to reconcile them back into relationship with you. And Lord, I also pray that you help us to live like we are a new creation, that we have been clothed in the righteousness of Jesus, like we have been conformed into the, the perfect image of God, the person of Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen.